Hey everyone, welcome back to Latter Day Takes. Appreciate y'all tuning in again. It's been nice getting some feedback from y'all. Some very, very positive, some not so positive, but you know what? You can't please everyone. That's what happens. Um, And yes, I'm referring directly to the vaccination podcast and my decision to not be vaccinated for now. I just don't feel a big pull. Still don't consider myself an anti-vaxxer. I don't think there's anything wrong with anybody that wants to get vaccinated. I am 100% against vaccination mandates. Anyway, I'm not going to rehash that all right now. But anyway, uh, thank you for the feedback, seriously. And there are some people that think I'm stupid, and there's some people that uh, appreciate what I had to say. And regardless, I appreciate everybody that feels like they want to reach out. Um, Does not really change my opinion one way or another. But anyway, today's pod is a complete... Uh, escape from all that because we don't talk anything along those lines. Um, I talked to an old friend from BYU, Porter Ellett, uh, and there's some of you that may have actually uh, know who he is at the very least. He, he's he been covered by multiple times by like LDS Living, BYU Magazine, things like that, um, because he has a very unique story, very cool story, and an amazing example of resilience and just perseverance and moving forward and not letting... Um, any of the odds that may be stacked against you get you down. He uh, lost his arm. Basically, he lost the use of his arm when he was four. And uh, he did have his arm, his right arm attached to him, but it was useless. It didn't. He couldn't move it at all, had no feeling there. Until the age of about 16, he decided to amputate. And we go through all that. Uh, despite all of that and those hardships, he actually was able to play multiple sports and excel in that regard and is currently a one one of the operations guys for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, he started out as Andy Reid's personal assistant, kind of helping him with whatever basically Coach Reid needed. He has a personal relationship with not only Andy Reid, but many other players and coaches on the Kansas City Chiefs. And he had a lot of cool things to say just kind of about his journey. And Porter just has one of the best attitudes I've ever seen. I've always enjoyed talking with him. And I was really grateful that he decided to come on the podcast today. And we really just get right into it. Uh, you'll even see that just kind of right after the Rogan intro. We just, we're just kind of talking because we just conversed naturally. And I really loved that. So I just left it. And uh, with that, I hope everybody had a great weekend and that you're gearing up for a great week. We are getting into the end of August here, the end of summer. School starting back up for a lot of you, for your kids and things like that. And... Uh, Fall weather will be coming here soon. Football season coming back up. I love it. Uh, the return to normalcy still seems in full effect, but who knows if shutdowns are coming. Don't know. Don't want to really talk about that right now. I want to stay positive. Hope you all are doing well. Love you all. And we'll be with you later this week. Mormons are my favorite. They're my favorite. Yeah, okay. They're absolutely yeah. my favorite. All Mormons are nutty Mormons. Mormons are the nicest cult of all time beautiful and these mormons are so nice everybody's so nice <laughs> everybody's so nice in utah just being a mormon's nutty mormons are really nice people totally nice they are the yeah. best cult my favorite religion is mormons they're the nicest people shout out to the latter-day saint uh no i live in uh taylorsville okay yeah. nice yeah awesome. like right right by west valley dude <laughs> sweet <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> in fact the uh have you ever been out here, like kind of in this neck of the woods? Not much. I played in a baseball tournament out there when I was like, I don't know, 16 or 17. 
That's the only time. Taylorsville baseball actually has quite the reputation for it. Yeah. Or at least they did. Yeah. Yeah. They had a, um, when I was in high school, I had kids that went pro and stuff. So they yeah, got some dang. And when I like moved here, I think maybe just a few weeks after living here, I looked out my window while I was working one day and saw a dude ditching a car right in front of our house that he had stolen. <laughs> so, what a place. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty dope. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of everything. Yeah, but man, crazy. it's so good to see you, dude. Seriously, it's been years. But I feel mm-hmm. like, as you said earlier, you know, we kind of interact somewhat consistently on social media, it seemed like. In fact, I remember... I think you're reaching out when I was like, I kind of hesitate to put it this way, but I was kind of trolling Hank Smith on Twitter, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And, do that. <laughs> it was, I mean, I hesitate to say trolling because I feel like trolls don't really have like an end game. They're just trying to like, just stir the pot. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm glorifying it a little too much here. And I, maybe I was just trying to stir the pot at the end of the day, but I was calling out Hank Smith for his fluff. And I was yeah. like, I, I hate this, man. Like, I don't think we need this, honestly. I think you're better than this, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he ended up blocking me. But uh, <laughs> People still <laughs> shared his tweets with you, though, so you could respond. Yeah, Which that's true. I see him every now and then. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, do you know what's funny, too, is that my mom actually was on his podcast. Oh, no way, really? So you have, yeah, like, so there's... connections then. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, like, my <laughs> sister-in-law and brother know him, like, really well personally. I've never met the guy. Yeah. But, yeah. I'm with so you, I'm... though. I mean, I thought it was mostly funny because I think he's trying to make a living off the church, which is – Yeah. I, I don't yeah. support that. I don't support people who make money off of the church's culture. Like, I, I just well, don't, it's, it's, I don't agree with that. Yeah, it's priestcraft. To, to, yeah. Like it's a degree of priestcraft, right? And that's that's mm-hmm. how I see it too. And um, that's yeah, I've kind of hit on that in other ways and on the podcast as well, just kind of giving my opinion on that. But um, through all that, I'm pretty sure your mom followed me on Twitter. By the way, really? I, I don't think I ever told you that. <laughs> no, I don't yeah. think so. But I think yeah. we uh, we talked about it one time at a family reunion because we were talking about because I do a lot of like speaking stuff for the church. Right. Um, yeah. But I don't I like don't take payment and I don't try to sell like what I'm saying. I don't try to do that. And I don't try to like make a scene out of it on Twitter or anything. So I was just talking about yeah. how I don't I don't like that stuff. And she was like, Oh yeah, well I, I saw you retweeted some stuff on this and I was like, Oh yeah, that's our friend Harper. Like he <laughs> he thinks the same way we do. So yeah. so we read yeah. some of this stuff and she was just like, That's great. I was like, All right. <laughs> That's funny. I ended up following her back. I was like, "Yeah, I'll follow Porter's mom." Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think she's ever tweeted before ever, but you know, probably just chief stuff, retweeting. Yeah, chief stuff. probably. Yeah, which I definitely want to get to later in this in this episode. But um, going back to that, because yeah, if anybody could monetize, you know, your you know the gospel to some degree or church stuff or whatever it is, that's honestly you have an, an amazing alley to do that. There's no question. And you've even had, I think I saw, I was just within the last few years that there was an article on LDS living on you. Right. Yeah. Right. BYU magazine did one too. Oh, that was it. Yeah. Maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. I think LDS living kind of, they'd take a lot of articles from like all that stuff. So Mm -hmm. it probably was the same one, but yeah, I mean, there's stuff. I like to go do that stuff. When I was in high school, I did a lot of that too. And there was, I think this is why I have the perspective I have on 
I don't want to monetize any of that. It's because when my dad, uh, he used, they used to drive me to all this stuff and we did it for free. And I mean, my family, we're not, we didn't have money really, you know, I think Small we probably, town. yeah, like and everybody's poor. Yeah. So you don't know if you're poor or not. So, but we didn't have a lot of money, but we were spending like a fair amount of gas money. And usually they would give us like gas money maybe. But I remember yeah. we were doing it and my sister's, they were like, why do you do this for free? Like, you shouldn't be doing this for free. They're taking advantage of you. And my dad, my dad doesn't get mad very often. And they were in the backseat saying it. And he like turned around and yelled at him. He was like, if he wants to do something good for people, we're going to support him. And he's like, if he does all this and he helps like one person, then that's it. Like, we don't need payment. We'll do it for free every day. And I thought that that was kind wow. of a, a big lesson for me. Like, no, like your payment is you're helping somebody. Like, and that's worth more than, you know, even if they don't give you gas money, that's worth it. So, hey, man, that is such an amazing outlook to have. And I couldn't agree more, but it's, it's one thing to agree with it. And it's a whole other thing to practice it. And the fact that you literally are practicing that is, is so commendable. And it like, honestly kind of gives me chills hearing you and your kind of thoughts and your dad being that example to you. I think that's really, really cool, man. Yeah. Um, th- that reminds me of what, the, what was said about your dad. I can't remember. It was actually, now that I think about it, I think it might've been like, a. I don't think it was an Amma Mormon video, which, you know, technically we don't use that term anymore anyway. So I don't know what they call those. <laughs> I think it was part anymore. of the BYU, I think it was part of the BYU magazine clip. I think. That. Okay. So they, cause they did a video thing on you as well. And I remember they showed you like with the hay. Mm-hmm. Cause, cause specifically they were like, you had said how, yeah, I woke up. I remember the, the morning I had to go on my mission. Um, my dad woke me up and was like, Hey, we got to go bail some hay still. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, what? Oh, but I'm leaving I'm oh, yeah. for two years. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. dad's like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, and that was the way it was. Like my dad, I think my parents in general, but definitely like my, my dad specifically with this lesson, my mom was like the one who taught us to be positive all the time, which I mean, I'm, we may be over the top positive in our family a little bit, but my dad wait, wait, like, let's talk about that for a second what do you mean like <laughs> over the top positive well i don't like my mom so i lost we lost the super bowl right last year my mom yeah. was there, and i was just like distraught you know i hated it i hated losing the super bowl i hated like absolutely people down yeah and because I, I like to win you know that's why i do what i do and my mom i called her the next day to apologize i was just like hey because they went all the way down there COVID, everything like i had to wear masks and like get tested mm-hmm. and all this Right. So they went to the game, we lost, and I was like, Mom, you know, sorry, you know, sorry that we lost the Super Bowl. And that you guys got it wasn't just that, but like our buses got like taunted all the way out of town. Like the buses my oh, parents sure. were on to get back to the hotel, they got like taunted and pushed. Because the stopped. Super Bowl was in Florida, right? In Florida, yeah. So their yeah. fans were like, Yeah, brutal with our parents and everything. So I uh I called to apologize and she was like, What are you apologizing for? And I was like, Well, you know, we lost and she said, you know, her words were in my whole, like never in my life would I imagine that I would have gone to one Super Bowl. She's like, and I went to two. And then she stopped for a second. And she's always been like a Tom Brady fan. So she goes, and I got, and I got to see Tom Brady win a Super Bowl. And I was like, mom, what the hell? Like, what is that? like yeah, but you're so lost. And she's like, yeah, but you, you won it last year. So I was like, geez. Yeah, she- She's like, Tom Brady's like, I don't know. He's always kind of been a son to me in some way. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It was like my first, was it my first, my second season in the NFL? She went out to Foxborough to watch him play. And she went the first oh, year yeah. too. But the second year, 
it, we have what's called like a wives trip where our wives get to go with us on the road. And she, oh, nice. uh, yeah, it was awesome. But I spend all that time with my wife. So I was like, I'm not going to be able to see you at all. Um, so I don't know if you want to come to that game. And my mom was on the other line. She just paused for a second. She's like, well, we're not going to see you. And I was like, oh, <laughs> fair enough. Like, you're going to watch Tom Brady. So, but just I her perspective, that, uh, the day after Super Bowl loss to just be like, you know, like you, you went to a Super Bowl. Like that's unbelievable. It just puts things in perspective. And I call her all the time. I'm like, how's it going? How's work? And she goes, her response is always like, I have a job. I'm blessed. So I just think her perspective on positivity. Then my father, like on the other side, he was always so consistent. Just like when we went to the MTC, just that, like is a perfect example. Like, no, chores still got to be done. Like, I don't mm-hmm. you're gonna go on a mission, but these animals still need to be fed. Like that doesn't change. They don't know you're going on a mission. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like they just, they just wake up hungry. So <laughs> yeah. it was good. that's awesome. What a great combination to have in parents that are like leading you through life and helping you grow and everything. That's awesome. Yeah. Positivity and consistency. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, for the record, I, I do want to go on record saying this cause I actually, I've liked Tom Brady for a long time. We all kind of do, but I'm a guy because I, I assume you kind of grew up just like the rest of us. You know, mm-hmm. we admired the, the greatest of all time, right? Yeah. Uh, at that position, uh, I was a Chiefs. I was pulling for the Chiefs, though. I was pulling for you guys. <laughs> Thank you. I, I felt like it's the Chiefs have become kind of like because for me, BYU kind of drives all of that for me. Mm-hmm. Which it's kind of funny hearing me say that because I'm such a BYU cynic usually that mm-hmm. I really am like really hard on the university because I. You know what? I put so much time, money, and patience into this team. I'm going to mm-hmm. demand. <laughs> so, yeah. I have a list of demands sometimes, and if they don't reach them, they're going to hear about it. That's all. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. As you should. Um, I mean, only- people people say that all the time. Like, well, fans, they should just come and enjoy the game. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, if you come, if you come to a game with like a family of four, you're spending like three hundred dollars just to get nosebleed. Oh, yeah. Like an NFL game, you're probably spending like a thousand dollars. Yep. Like you yep. can be mad if they don't meet your expectations because you spent a ton of money. So For I get sure. that. <laughs> so like I'll never I'll never turn my back on BYU, but they'll hear about it if they piss me off. Yeah. No question about it. <laughs> they should. <laughs> and when I say they, I mean all those that, that at BYU that definitely listen to my podcast. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, I was pulling for you guys because the Chiefs have become like little kind of BYU, like there's so many BYU connections on that team, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, obviously there's you, and I knew that, and I'm like, well, Porter's my guy. Like I've always, I want Porter to succeed in whatever he does. I always have loved Andy Reid, and what I especially love about him is he's not quiet about his love for BYU. He mm-hmm. like talks about BYU whenever he can. Lavelle Edwards was obviously a huge impact on his life, yeah. and then Danny Sorensen tearing yeah. it up in his position, yeah. and I, that kind of came out of left field. I think. We all loved Sorensen when he was at BYU. Like, he was great. He was an amazing safety there. I did not see him really thriving in the NFL. I thought he had a shot. I was like, yeah, no, he's going to have a shot at the NFL. I did not. The way he's thriving has been really cool to see. Yeah. Am I missing any other BYU connections? Oh, right now we have, well, Zane Anderson is on our squad right now um, through the preseason. He's trying to make the team, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah, linebacker. That's kind of about it right now. And, I, I mean, I'm with you on Dan, like – he's one of those players in college that's kind of a tweener, like kind of big for a safety kind of. So he's kind of like in college. I mean, he was a great player, but it was like, 
you know, they had him playing everywhere and doing all this stuff. But he's the perfect example of like a guy who does uses everything to succeed. Like he he does everything he has to do to be his best. And it's awesome to watch the way that he works and like the things that he does um, to maximize his potential. And it's awesome to see, like, for me, it's great to see members of the church um, be in this environment and thrive, you know, like, cause it's, we're all very different um, from each other on the team, even like not just our faith, but our backgrounds, where we come from, everything and to see dan and like a guy like tyron matthew be really close like really close yeah. his teammates yeah. is a really cool thing for me to see like that they're you know they're they're essentially like brothers out there on the field and i love that i love that about dan and i love that about like our team and what we have going so for in school sure. up to you. And coach, coach reed's done that his whole career so that's been fun to see too no there's no question it's he seems like a real players coach by the way yeah, like they every player like that's under him loves him. There's yeah. never been any doubt. It seems it seems like for any of that. Yeah, and like it's so funny because they are they're like his kids. Like he lo- he loves yeah. them, love him back, and then like there's not you don't hear a lot of like player coach issues with our team, and I think that's it is because he like fosters that environment. Like no, we, we yeah. take care of our guys and we treat them well, and you know they love him back for that. So, and he's not easy on well, him either. So, no, I'm sure he's not. How can you be when you win a Super Bowl like that? And then when you're favored in the second Super Bowl in a row to win, mm-hmm. like, I mean, there's no question. And this, there's, there's, you guys are on the brink of a dynasty, it seems like. And my other connection, I mean, it's, it's not a direct connection, but, you know, I'm a Texas Tech guy. Yep. Um, I went there. And obviously Mahomes was there when I was there. So I was cheering for him in the stands when he was playing at Texas Tech. And now he's tearing it up, which is another one. But like Andy Reid must have an eye for talent. He really he really has to. Like the guy knows how to draft. They, they trade up to get Patrick Mahomes, um, who went at, what was it, number 10? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it yep. goes to 10. He's projected a little bit later than that. But Andy Reid saw what he saw in him. And he's like, I need this guy. So they trade up to get him. Uh, Danny Sorensen is another example of that. I mean, they just... They know how to utilize talent and Mahomes. I did not see that coming either, but I don't have an eye for talent. So that's no surprise. Yeah. I, wonder, he, I was going to ask you that if, when you were watching him in college, if you felt like that, like this, this kid, I did, he was clearly athletic. And, and I remember seeing him like, this guy's big and he can run and he played baseball for a year or two at Texas tech as well. And I remember thinking it was kind of the same thing I saw with Zach Wilson. Um, when, I felt like Mahomes, when he was at Texas Tech, his biggest issue, like his mechanics were great, but his biggest issue was trusting his receivers because mm-hmm. he'd really like trust his legs more than anything where he's like, I'm just going to like scramble around the pocket or run if that's really wide open. But if not, wait till my receivers get open by scrambling around the pocket, as opposed to trusting that we're both going to meet at this point at this time, right? Yeah. right? When the When the receiver makes his cut, Ball's already in the air type of thing. And I feel like Mahomes struggled with that at Texas Tech. I could be wrong. And I definitely feel like Wilson struggled with that his first and second year at BYU. And that was the biggest difference I saw between those two years and his last year at BYU, which he obviously tore up. But yeah, I don't know. I'll, Maybe I'm wrong I'll there. throw it there and they'll be there. It's funny because the yeah. first, my first job, like assignment from coach, was to uh, break down all the pass plays from Patrick at Texas Tech for like his whole career. Oh, really? Yeah. No so way. Was, How'd that yeah. go? 
it was good. I mean, like I didn't know anything, you know, so I'm just watching this kid, the first kid that I've watched tape wise. And I was like, he's making some throws though, where I'm like, Holy smokes, you know, but I didn't have like reference right. points. So I went through and I right. watched, I watched all the quarterbacks that came out that year, which I mean, it was a good year, you know, it's like Deshaun Watson and like there were, there were guys right. in that draft, yeah. uh, Trubisky. So I went through did and you I watched the tape before you drafted Mahomes. Yeah. Yep. So did you have a lot to do with that decision? No, no, I didn't have anything to do with the decision. I just, Coach Reed said, like, I need to see all these quarterbacks. And I was like, okay. But he's like, I can't go. I don't have time to go through and watch every single snap. So he was like, so go through and, like, cut up the tape so that I'm watching, you know, instead of watching 2,000 pass plays, I'm watching 500. And then I can kind of go from there and then watch the rest of them if I like the kid. I was like, all right. So that's who I started with. But he was – I mean, they knew early on. Brett Veach, the GM, knew early on that Pat was, like, the real deal. So he said, do this kid first, but don't tell anybody you're, like, breaking this kid down first. He's like, don't don't talk about it. Don't – just get the tape ready. And I was like, all right. But I watched him, and I was like, this kid is making some crazy throws. But it's just like you're saying, how does it pan out? Like, he's going from an air raid offense, which I think may factor into, like – you don't always know in that because it's a lot of read stuff. So you don't actually know the receiver might break off his route or he might just keep going. So for sure, and that's one of the difference with him in the NFL, but it was fascinating to be a part of just like watching his tape and then meeting him and then like seeing what he's become. Cause he came yeah. in, that was my first year and we drafted him and we've been in the league together the whole time. So it's, it's oh, interesting. Awesome. Yeah. Like you see him as a rookie he comes in, he's, you know, the backup and then, he signs a five hundred million dollar contract. Contract, so it's like yeah, yeah. has an Adidas shoe now. It's cool. Yeah. So, and you and you signed your five hundred million dollar <laughs> yeah, right. shoe just recently, right? I wish, man. <laughs> I wish. That'd be amazing. Yeah. I'm glad he's here, though. It's it's been fun, fun to be a part of that. I can only imagine, man. Yeah, and um, that's what's cool too about that connection is that. Kingsbury is obviously a Mike Leach protege and Mike Leach is an an Edwards protege as well as Andy Reid. And so I'm sure that may have played into it too, where Andy Reid's like, I can work with this guy. Mm -hmm. Like you see that arm strength and everything. And I'm sure that's what you're kind of referencing in those videos that it's just, he's making these off balance throws that are like that, like physically just doesn't really happen that easily. Running one way. I think that was, Throwing back the other way, yeah, like exactly. Throws, like that's not possible. Like guys don't do that. Yeah. So yeah, crazy. Which I actually think his baseball talents probably contributed to that. And this is something I did want to talk about with you because of your background. Which quick overview. I mean, I would imagine most people are probably familiar with your story these days. Which I actually forgot about this. I had forgotten that. You lost your arm. I, well, I knew you lost it when you were around like the age of 10. What I was, was it exactly? I lost the use oh, of it. Oh, you were four? four? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that young. But what I didn't remember was that it was falling off the back of a truck and hitting your head. And it was more kind of like a neurological mm-hmm. thing that had taken place. Yeah. And exactly. then you weren't using your arm for how many years before you decided to amputate it? So 12, I got amputated when I was 16. Um, and the decision wow. to amputate it actually happened because of the way, like the nature of the arm after the, you know, neuro injury or whatever. It's uh, mm-hmm. the nerves had all been detached, so I couldn't move it. But then they did this surgery where they were trying to fix it. 
mm-hmm. and it gave me feeling but not movement so i broke it a bunch of times and i could feel it but there was just like nothing i could do about it so i was like oh, oh gosh yeah and i was playing a basketball game my like sophomore year and i went up for a rebound and a kid got underneath it and then another kid like hit it on the other side so it dislocated the shoulder and the elbow at the same time and then i oh, had a goodness. fracture in the forearm and we we're playing like as you know, all of the schools we played were small. So the closest hospital that could really do anything about it was over an hour away. So I had to drive in the car with my arm stuck, like it was like stuck straight out. So every oh every like every like bump we hit was super painful. And on that drive, I was like, Mom, let's just let's just get it cut off. And she was like, All right. Like we wanted you to make <laughs> Yeah. She's like, We wanted you to make that decision. So if that's the decision you want to make, then we'll do it. So after the basketball season, we scheduled like a surgery for the next, you know, f- yeah, next spring or fall or something. So I got it cut off then. That seems pretty unfair that like you don't have use of your arm, but yet you're able to feel all the pain. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the, it. the worst uh, scenario, really. I thought, <laughs> I was like, geez, I can yeah. feel it, but I can't move it. So. I can't imagine. I mean, the way you told that story, it makes it almost sound like it was just kind of like, you know what? I'm sick of this. Let's just cut it off. But I can't imagine that's how that my that, that that process went or had it been to that point where you're just like, whatever, like this is a long time coming. It's just time to get rid of it. Yeah, I think for me, yeah, it was like a lot of I broke it six times and then I dislocated oh, it like three or four. So for me, it was kind of like I'd waited out in my head and thought, you know, like we're not going to be able to really fix it. I don't think that's kind of what I thought. And then. At that point, I felt like I could do everything I needed to do anyway with one hand. Yeah. So I was kind of like, I, I don't need to, to have it. Like, I'll be okay. And then um, that's after that last inter- injury, it was just kind of like, all right, I'm good. Like, let's, let's get it taken off. Well, and that's where I feel like you're, you're – I'm guessing the amazing thing about your parents going back to the – consistency aspect of your dad and the positivity of your mom how did i mean that must have played a pretty strong role when it came to like not just take like making the decision to amputate but is that what you would call it an amputation mm-hmm. yeah amputation. Yeah, okay same thing mm-hmm. yeah so i'm not sure if there's any like different scientific term there because of whatever i don't want to assume too much but um the that combination dealing with that from the age of four, I can imagine was really helpful because thinking about your dad just being like, yeah, you're not getting out of this farm work because you don't have an arm. Like, I'm sorry. Like you're going to find a way. Is that kind of how it went? Just, yeah. there was never any question. Yeah. And they're like, my mom uh, pushed me a lot too, to just do stuff that like people assumed I wouldn't be able to do or, you know, just like things where I would ask for help where I didn't really need help. You know, like, no, you can do it. You can figure it out. You know, and it, to a lot of people, I think it was kind of like harsh love, but it's what I needed. Um, it was yeah. real love, you know, and then my dad, he was never hesitant about giving me jobs on the farm, you know, like, hey, do this, take care of this. There were some of the jobs on the farm where I know he kind of protected me a little bit because there's a lot of people who lose limbs on farms doing just regular farm work. So I was already yeah, down one. That's a good point. Know? I'm already yeah, missing yeah. one. So he's like, <laughs> any, of the, any of the like mechanical stuff where it was like, all right, if you get your hand caught in there, like it's going to get ripped off. He took care of that for me. So. In the meantime, you have siblings, right? Yeah, I have, I have five sisters. In the meantime, your sisters might be like, well, here's the thing, dad. 
he already has missing one arm, so what's another one? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> trying to negotiate that way. You can do it with his feet, man. We'll be all right. <laughs> Dude, in all honesty, though, like with your dad there and your mom, with I, I think that's amazing that you're like, it's like your parents had almost been ready to, to help a child not have an arm for mm-hmm. the vast majority of his life and just to kind of be there to give him all the right mindset that he needed in order to adjust. Was there, I mean, you had noted that your dad would obviously not give you just any job because there were certain dangers and whatever else and just certain conditions that weren't amenable to that. But do you look at your life now and think if I had a, like, I'm not going to do that or I'm not going to try that because I don't have both arms. Um, Yeah. There's, I mean, there's sometimes where I'd just rather not spend the time it takes to learn it. You know, like to me, like something like Guitar Hero to me isn't worth the time time it takes to figure out how to do it with one hand. I'm not sure that's worth it with both arms. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like (laughs) friends in high school, they were always like, you could play it. You could figure it out. I'm like, why would I spend like four hours trying to figure out how to play the guitar with one hand? Like, it's just not worth it to me. So (laughs) maybe it seems like a gift in some ways that's a gift too, because it's like, you're able to really prioritize like what is useful, what is meaningful to me, what is actually going to get me from one dot to the next. Yeah. And guitar here is not going to do that. Yeah. And I think, I don't know. I think it made me like early on in my life, it made me pick my fights, you know, like what, what am I I willing to like put the time into to get good at, you know, like for me, baseball and basketball and like stuff like that was worth the time, the extra time to be good at. Whereas, you know, things, there were other things where it was just like, I don't, nah, like I'm good. I don't want to put the extra time into learning how to play drums or, you know, like, play right. this. like just so that I can prove to you that I can do it. Like that's not worth it to me. Well, and that's not the question anymore. And so I, so you actually answered my question is that there really isn't anything that you look at that says, I don't, I, 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 I can't do this because I only have one arm. It's your thing is, is it worth the time? I could do it. Like, that's, what's cool about your mindset is that, you know, you could, yeah. especially based on everything that you have accomplished that hasn't changed. It's just, it's going to take a little bit more time, a little bit more, somewhat of an adaptation in terms of handling things. Like you can't do it the traditional way. You can't really look at somebody do it and learn that way. Mm-hmm. But yep. you could assess it and you could make it happen and brainstorm different like approaches and whatever else. That's really cool, man. Yeah. And yeah, then there's cool. no question that you you obviously made the right choices in terms of what you put your effort towards. Like sports, which has gotten to you to where you are today, which is another thing I want to talk about. I'm pretty sure I pitched to you in softball and intramurals. Yeah. Yeah, you, you did. I think so. Yeah, right. Yeah, we and each I just, other. yeah, or and we, I remember just being like, "What was that?" Or was it? Were you with us? Did you play for? You didn't play for the BYU rap, was, uh, broadcasting team, right? No, okay, no, yeah. never did. Them. Yeah, yeah, we played. Yeah. Uh, Jerem Jordan was too much of an yeah, elitist. Yeah, Jerem <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, funny. Dude. <laughs> That's what and Spencer Litton they were with us too. Yeah. I don't know. I think yeah. they. Uh, that was funny that I played with them. That was pretty random, but it was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah you did, I remember. You pitch to I pitched to you, and dude, that I'm not. I'm not even sugarcoating it. For one, you were the best hitter on your team, and that's <laughs> that's legit. And another, like it was one of the most incredible things I've witnessed live. I'm not sugarcoating it. Like, 
like you just sit there ready for the pitch, like just back there with your with your left hand. Which did you grow up right handed or left handed? I was born righty, yeah, for four years, and then oh my know. gosh, just to <laughs> yeah. add insult to injury. Um, <laughs> And then I, just the way you'd want it, you'd almost do like this happy Gilmore-esque type swing where you just like kind of jump into it and then boom, knock it out. And I'm just like, this is incredible. Like it was really, <laughs> it was just motivating to see that you're just like, this guy doesn't let anything bring him down. And I think that's amazing. And everybody needs to see that and hear that. Yeah. It's funny because I like growing up, I was just trying to play the game, you know, like I just wanted to compete and play ball. So it's interesting that when I got older, I don't think it was still I was like a junior or senior in high school. I realized that like people who would come and watch, it was like an experience for them to watch it. And I thought that was kind of cool. But I, you know, I hope that that's what happens for some people. You know, like they see it happen. They're like, wow, like that's that's really cool. You know, like it, it's something that changes inside them where they think, you know, that's not like I can I can work through stuff or I can figure things out. But I think it really hit me when we played in, like, the state tournament my senior year, baseball and basketball, and there were just, like, random people who showed up just so that they could, like, see it. And I thought that was pretty cool. But I hope, cool. you know, I hope that, like, I think that's with anything in life. You hope that your work, like, pays off. But for me, I hoped it paid off with the fact that, like, I could just play, you know, and compete. Um, so when I realized that people were seeing it for something more than I thought it was, that was a, a big surprise to me and like a big payoff. Like, man, like this is, it's cool that they're making this big deal out of something that I never thought was big. I just wanted to play ball. And I appreciated that. I appreciated like people who did show up, you know, and were like, Hey, thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks for playing. Cause it was like, Oh, you know, cause there's a lot of things that I, I think with a disability and just being viewed differently, there's a lot of like comments or little things that I just put on the back burner. You know, or I try to pretend like it's not a big deal or it doesn't bother me. Um, but at the end like of the what day, what kind of comments? Just like being different, or you know, like kids. Kids don't know what they're saying. Little kids, but you know, they'll say like, "Oh, he's a freak," or "He's like this," or "Oh yeah, gotcha. something that like doesn't go away." You know, and then even sure. when you're when you're in high school, it's not just little kids. It's like kids your age saying that kind of crap. Oh, yeah. High schoolers are the like middle school, high schoolers are all the worst. Man. Yeah. And it's, you know, and I was blessed because I had friends that were amazing. You know, like I had friends that stood mm-hmm. up for me and took care of me that way. Um, but there's a lot of that stuff that I just like try to brush off and ignore. And then when you hear mm-hmm. stuff like this, it's like you remember, which you try not to, but you remember all those like little comments and it's like, oh, no, like it's it's worth it. You know, it's worth the like little digs or the stairs or the pointing or the comments it's worth it if you can like have a positive impact on people dude that's the positivity of your mom coming out man just kind of teaching you that not to say that you don't have some innate positivity in you i'm sure you do i think you have a lot of that built into you actually just knowing you but uh it's incredible an amazing example uh and one one way and that's manifest uh more than anything else is your halloween costumes that you do with your wife yeah for sure it's amazing. My, the one that I remember, like that sticks out to me the most, and you've done variations of, of like how, what you can do with one arm, like how you can make that funny or whatever, and mm-hmm. and fun for everyone. The one that I remember the most was Bethany Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you, yeah, you dressed as Bethany Hamilton, and it was right around the time that she had lost her arm to a shark surfing. Yeah. <laughs> 
and Carly, your wife, dressed up as the shark. Yeah. It was incredible. <laughs> probably, probably, not the best, <laughs> probably not like the best of taste. Like, probably. Oh, but, yeah. my gosh, dude. <laughs> I, I see somebody like Bethany Hamilton couldn't even appreciate that person. Yeah. Like, I don't know how she couldn't. I bet she would. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's a sense of resilience that, that you guys have. Yeah, has a healthy attitude about it. Should you know, like I think that's yeah. funny too. But yeah, and your kindred spirits too. I mean, yeah. it's not like it's not like you're. I don't know. It, there, in no world are you making light of that situation. It's that you're just taking something and making it fun, like for mm-hmm. everyone. I I don't know. What other Halloween costumes have you guys done? Uh, we've done the last couple of years. We've done like I was Winter Soldier, and my kids were like the characters. You know. Like Carly's oh, Black Widow, cool. and yeah, my son was yeah. uh, Captain America, and my daughter was uh, was my daughter. I think she was Black Panther or something. And then we do like oh, Buzz. The the Toy Story movies do a good job of having one arm incidents. So we've done Buzz and oh, like that's right. uh, We did the rock that's climber right. that cut off his own arm. And Carly was a boulder, and I was the. I rock think climber. I remember that. Yeah. I think I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. and then which uh, guy was also a member of the church, wasn't he? Random? I, I think or had connections. It happened in Utah where the answer right. took place. But and then yeah, uh, maybe it wasn't. One, what's the other one? The uh, it's the Halloween movie that's based on Christmas, but she loses her arm all the time, too. So I was that lady as well. I can't remember the, the name of it, though. But yeah, so uh, we, do one, we do one every year. It's like the it's Halloween, ba- the Nightmare Before Christmas. Nightmare Before Christmas. Here's okay. the girl in it that's like. She's sewn together all the time and her arm falls off. Yeah, I, th- I know who you're talking about. I've yeah. only seen that movie once, I think. But yeah, it was her. I love so that, I, I prefer to dress up as the guy characters, but occasionally, you know, it's all right. <laughs> you got to go cross-dressed. It's right, dude. Yeah, dude. The, the, what you did, the Bethany Hamilton Soul Surfer one was incredible. I thought that was so funny. It was so timely and everything when you did it. Our players, like, the players here love it, too. Like, we do a Halloween thing, and they're always like, what are you going to do? And they, like, try to get in on it. Like, you should be this. I'm like, yeah, we'll see what my wife can do. Have you done any with them yet? Uh, No, we were going to last year, but, like, something happened. Um, Reggie, or two years ago, we were going to do something. But they all go to, like, their own parties, and, like, I go trunk or treat at the church. So it doesn't really, like, work out super They're fun. Their parties aren't family friendly. No, I don't have it. <laughs> so, fair enough. Yeah. Well, you can take them to the trunk or treat, maybe, and yeah. show them a couple of Book of Mormons or whatever. <laughs> That'd be all right. You're my two friends. Sure. They can teach you about this. Yeah, exactly. These guys are dressed up, but not just for Halloween. They're dressed <laughs> yeah. up year round. <laughs> this is this is a full time dress up for two years. That's right. That's so, right. That's um, how did you get this position that you're in right now? Like yeah. Kansas City and because what is your official position called? I, I the way I've referred to it as like Andy Reid's assistant, personal. Yeah, assistant so I, I was Andy Reid's assistant for three years, and now I'm a quality control coach. So I help on the offense. I coach. I work with the tight ends and running backs this year. Uh, last year I was with the quarterbacks. Um, but basically, what we do right now is we're like assistant to the assistant coaches so they'll be like the position coach and then we just help with everything they need and we also produce like the playbooks and everything that we do in meetings and all that stuff but with coach reed the as his assistant for three years i was like you're saying i was like his Mm -hmm. 
I mean, he calls me his left hand man. Still, he calls me his left hand man. Uh, he's <laughs> just like, like you go everywhere he goes, and you kind of take care of whatever he needs done, and then you're in charge of like schedules for the whole team and a lot of the like play call sheets and stuff. You do all that for the coaches. So that was a good learning experience, and it was awesome for me because I like just got to see how he operated and what he did. For sure. Um, which well, and he's, cool. he, he helps kind of set the tone for the culture and everything like that. Yeah, so being probably. immersed into that specifically would be helpful. I'm sure. How did you get that position though? Yeah. So that, yeah, that's the question. So I, when I came out of college, I worked at Goldman Sachs for like 10 months. I was a tax analyst up there and the hours were long. That. Yeah. The hours were kind of long and I like, you know, I was commuting. So on the weekend, one of the weekends after I'd been there for a long time, Carly, my uh, my wife, she we were sitting there having dinner, and she said, "Do you love what you do?" And I kind of was like, "Yeah, you know, I love like it's going to take care of our family. I'll be able to make really good money, and you know, there's a lot of ways to switch up what I'm doing at Goldman. Like, there's a lot of directions I could go." And she was like, "Yeah, but do you love what you do? Like, can you do this for 20, 30 years?" And I was like, "Uh, yeah, sure." And she's like, "No, like Porter, do you love it? What you do?" Mm-hmm. I was like, no, nah, like I don't, I don't love tax analyst work. Like that's not, I don't love it. She was like, okay, well, what do you want to do? And I told her, you know, like I've always wanted to coach, and I've, I'd always kind of said that to my mom even growing up. And she's like, you should be a lawyer, you know, or you should do this. Yeah, yeah. My like, comeback for it was always like, well, you know, I, the people who impacted my life growing up were my coaches, my teachers, and my parents. You know, like, so I, I would like to coach. Carly was like, well, and then I, I brought up the point, like, you can't make money in coaching. My dad coached my whole childhood growing up, and he, I think he lost money coaching high school sports. So I was oh like, gosh, yeah, that, like, that, that's not uncommon from what I understand. Yeah. Oftentimes so, those high school coaches, especially ones that are really dedicated to it, are putting out more money than they're actually taking in. Yeah. And those, I mean, those people are incredible because the impact they have on people. But for me, it was like, I, I don't know how we'll do this as a family. And she, uh, she was like, well, th- you could do it. At- you could make money if you did it in college or if you did it in the NFL. And I was like, well, yeah. And the reason I didn't play football growing up. So the reason how I ended up in football is kind of interesting, too. I wanted to coach, but I love that football is a team sport. I feel like basketball and baseball, they're kind of getting more and more away from actually being a team sport. It's like one star and then he recruits his buddies or whatever. So. Yeah, basketball especially, it seems like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I fell in love with football. when I So at BYU, I was in econ, was my major. And my last semester, I fell to class. <laughs> and I was, so I had to go back. For oh, is that right? Yeah, so I took <laughs> I took law or economic law or something from Curl. It was my last class for econ. And I took it because mm-hmm. I was like, well, Curl's the guy. I took his class and wanted to study econ because I thought it was interesting. So I'll take a class from him to end it. And I fell by like. 0.1%. Like it was nothing. No and I, way. And I went in and I talked to him and I was like, Hey, you know, like this is my last class, like 0.1. Like, could you just bump me up? And he was like, nah, I don't make exceptions. Like, that's fine. You know, but that was like part of the reason I loved him is because of the way he was, you know? Yeah, so I had to go back for another sense. semester and I was like, all right, well, I better find a job. And I wanted to be around the football team. So I found a job in the equipment room. So when I was in the equipment room, I came home like every day and I told my wife, I was like, it's awesome. And these guys are like all about team. Like, this is the sport that I should work in. And then time went on and she asked me that question. And then we tried to figure out how we were going to do it. We ended up 
trying to choose between University of San Francisco and Baylor. I ended up at Baylor. And that's right. I remember you at Baylor because I was at Texas Tech around that time. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, yeah. I, man, God bless Texas, right? I loved, I loved right. Texas. And I loved Texas Baylor. is great, man. man. Texas it, is like uh, – people ask me all the time, like, did you like living in Texas? And I said – always I say yes, and that's primarily because um, – the the people like the yep. people are so nice and so welcoming and yep. lubbock might be one of the ugliest places in the world i'm not even kidding like it's <laughs> looks like a different planet yeah. yeah it's it's ridiculous and you go out there though and you just feel welcome immediately and just like there's good people around all the time that southern hospitality is real and i'd imagine waco is very similar which by the way waco is like blowing up it seems like these days yeah too. yeah it's a phenomenal like, yeah, it's the same thing we say the same thing it's like just the people and then like yeah, yeah, with Fixer Upper and everything, it's Waco's like Magnolia Market. Yeah. yeah. So it's been yeah. incredible to be. I mean, and it was awesome to be there. But I went, I tried to work for the football team there and I couldn't get in. So I ended up being on the operations side of it with the football stadium. Mm. While we were there, Carly's brother met a girl um, from Branson, Missouri, and they were going to get married in Kansas City Temple. So at the time, I had a friend, it was actually Coach Reed's son in law who was working for the chiefs as a strength coach and his son-in-law and I, Devin Woodhouse, we worked together at the MTC in Provo, taught Spanish. And uh, at the time we had both kind of made a deal that we wanted to work together in the future. Yeah. Um, we, at that point we had actually talked about working in sports together and he was like, well, I want to be like a strength coach. And I was like, well, I want to coach. And we kind of made this deal that like, okay, if you end up getting a job somewhere, you know, like put in a good word for me. And if I do it, I'll do it for you. So he's working for the Chiefs and we had been in contact. I've been like, hey, just give him like my resume. Like I'll come do anything for him. Like I don't care. Mm-hmm. And it, nothing had really worked out. And then we go, we end up going to Kansas City. We go to this game in the middle of the winter. It's like right around Christmas time and it's freezing cold. And after the game, we go to Coach Reed's house, which we didn't know where we were going. Devin was just like, hey, just follow us. So I followed his car and we end up. Oh, that's Reed's cool. House. Yeah. And we're just like hanging out, talking. And then Coach Reed walks in. I'm like, oh, holy smokes, you know, like what's going on? Yeah, so we just yeah, yeah. talk. We have a good time. And at the end of the conversation, at the end of the night, I'm like, hey, you know, Coach, I would love to like just follow you around and learn how you do what you do um, and just like learn how to be a winner in the NFL. And he's like, all right, well, send me your resume. And at the end of the year, maybe I'll get you an internship or something. I was like, okay. Didn't think much of it. Then the season went on. I sent Devin a resume after they had gone down to coach in the Pro Bowl. And I was like, hey, you know, I don't know if the timing's good for this, but I'd like to reach out to coach. Just give him my resume and try to get an internship. Meanwhile, I have like one more semester at Baylor to get my master's degree in sports management. And uh, like a week goes by, I don't really hear anything from Devin. I'm like, man, what's going on? Like maybe I was being too pushy. And then I get a phone call when I'm in a meeting and the area code's like a Philadelphia area code. I'm like, man, I don't know anyone from Philadelphia, you know, I was like, what's going on? So I just let it go. Or to do you? I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, let yeah. it, I let it go to the voicemail and I'm like, oh. after the meeting, I check it. It's a voicemail and it was like coach Reed calling and he's saying, Personally. yeah. And he's saying like, I got this wow. position that might be open. You know, I'm thinking of a few people, maybe you'd be interested so I called him back and he explained the whole thing to me. And I was like, well, you know, I'm in my last semester at school, but I'll leave, you know, 
he kind of made the comment, well, like, I don't want you to leave, you know, like, I don't want you to stop your education because of me. And I was like, well, no, I'll talk to my professors. And Baylor was awesome. They let me finish remotely. Like I did it online. I called my professors once a week. They just let me finish. And he called oh, that's me. awesome. Yeah. So coach called me on Friday to let me know that I had gotten the job, but I needed to be there on Sunday and start full time. My wife was like eight months pregnant at the time. So I moved up and then she, she followed me after that. Um, and my first day of work was when uh, Tom Brady came back against the Falcons and won that Super Bowl. That was my first day mm. on the job. So it's crazy. But then, yeah, ever since then, it's been, you know, five years. This is my fifth season. It's just like, you know, go, go, go with Coach Reed. And I when I started, one of the during the process when he was hiring me, I was kind of desperate. Not really, you know, I wanted to do it really bad. And I was like, man, I need to like, can, you know, I need to kind of let him know how much I want to do it. And I sent him a text one time, like, I think it was pretty late at night where I just said like, you know, coach, Hey, if you hire me, I'll help you win a Super Bowl. You know, and like to me, yeah, to me, like looking back on that, I'm like, what an idiot. You know, like, why would I say that? And like he, at that what point, he, was I thinking? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> at that point he'd been in the league like 18 years and he'd been to a and, Super Bowl. and a couple other shots. In fact, his yeah. reputation at that point was a coach that will get you to the Super Bowl, but not win it, basically. Yeah, because yeah. he and had he had like, success in Philadelphia, but he just couldn't quite get past the finish line. These yeah, and he knew how hard it was. And for me to send that, absolutely, text, I'm like, man, that was a, looking back at it now. I'm like, that was such a dumb text. But then, like, That's I, I don't know what he saw in it, but he must have been like, hey, man. Kids got guts at least, or something, because he. <laughs> yeah. It was. I think it was the next day. It was when he was like, "All right, like it's yours." And then, I don't know. We know how things went. We ended up getting it done, but it wasn't because of me. You know, it was just like <laughs> I was happy to be a part of this, <laughs> but it was just like so funny. Um, so that's how I you ended should. Up you should go back if that was on an iPhone. You should go back and like that message. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> go wild, like. I do. Uh, yeah, it's funny. I haven't asked him. Put an uh, emphasis on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny. Yeah, it's awesome though. But it's been so great to just be here, you know. And then on top of that, I think it gets lost in the story quite a bit. But we work crazy hours a lot of the year. My wife, you know, Carly, she's the one who like sparked the idea and was willing to, you know, be my sugar mama through college, you know. Yeah. And then now she, we have two little kids and she stays home with the kids and just like makes the, makes it all happen. You know, and like she loves it too. She loves like being where we're at and doing what we're doing, but she doesn't get enough credit for, you know, all that she does now. And not just that, yeah. but the fact that she sparked the idea, you know, like, hey, quit Goldman Sachs and let's just go chase this dream. So, no, that is amazing. That's really cool, man. Um, and I don't doubt it for a second that you're putting all your emphasis in the right place there. And it seems like Carly is an amazing support. And I'd imagine you guys are both an amazing support for each other. I'd imagine she feels pretty similarly towards you. Um, where's what's, what's next for you? I just have a couple more questions as, as we kind of sign off here, but what's, what, what's your trajectory from here? Do you think, I mean, obviously you don't know for sure, but like, what would you like it to be? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. It's, it's interesting in this world. Cause like, the football world when I say about like this world uh, so much of it has to do with like good fortune, you know, and just finding the right people to be around and being in the right spot. And I just consider myself very blessed to be in the spot I'm at right now. You know, 
like one day I think, and Coach Reed does a great job of this. He develops coaches, you know, like he has. Yeah. And I, I mean, my first NFL combine, I went to a dinner with guys, a bunch of guys that were, you know, had been assistants with him. And now every single person that was at that dinner either is a head coach or has been a head coach. So it's like incredible to see that. So I think I want to, you know, I'd like to make him proud. And I know he took a shot and a risk hiring me. So I think that Coach Reed, I think you kind of pay him back by progressing that way, you know. So I would like oh, to. Oh, yeah. I'd like to continue to move forward um, just the way that I am, you know, and learn in each position and be a position coach and, you know, be a coordinator and, you know, maybe be a head coach one day. But just like I said, so much of that is um, based on, you know, good fortune. So, but right now I'm just trying to do my, the best I can today. So <laughs> that's kind of. Yeah. Well, and there's no question you're succeeding at that. Um Okay, two more things before I let you go. Uh, do you have any kind of – you've already kind of shared some funny tangential stuff about Andy Reid, but do you have any funny Andy, Andy Reid stories yeah. off the top of your head? <laughs> off the top of my head. Uh, yeah. I, I'm well. Let's think. <laughs> I don't know. Like, there's just like, he's just so like – he's just so funny and like such a good person, you know. Like one of my favorite things that happens is the players – how much they love him and like just the funny stuff that they'll do, you know, like we will have meetings in sometimes. And a, like one of the players who's uh, really high energy, like one of, you know, coach Reed just loves him at the end of the meeting coach will say like, all right, any questions we good. And he'll just shout, we love you coach. You know, like just like stuff like that. Yeah. And coach yeah. Reed is just like the best about that. And I don't know. Coach Reed tells a lot of funny stories about players and stuff, but I don't know for me, I think the funniest thing that he really does around me is he knows all my tricks. So his father, his son, not his son, sorry, his brother has one arm. So there was like, Oh really? Yeah. There are times where I'm trying to do something or like I'm getting stuff done and he'll watch me do it. And he'll be like, I saw what you did there. Like I saw that little trick. And it's just like the little things like that, where it's like, all right, like this guy knows what he's doing. Like he's, he's got an eye on you and he like can see what's going on, but I don't know. Coach Reed's not like, he's pretty somber, you know, he's not a big joke teller, but you get around him and somehow you always end up just like laughing till you cry. Yeah. But it's all situational yeah. stuff. Yeah. You know? So I could see him being pretty unintentionally hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Not, not, not in like a slapstick way, but just kind of like the stuff he says, the observations he makes and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to know this too. Is he aware that he looks like a, wal- a walrus? Oh yeah. That- yeah. He knows. It. Okay. Yeah, he's he funny. knows that. Okay. Yeah. And he like, <laughs> and I don't think he, it's funny too. Cause when you're like, you really get to know him, he's the same way as like me, you know, like he makes fun of himself mm-hmm. for having, you know, mm-hmm. for, for his mustache and like all this stuff. Yeah. And make fun of, you know, just like stuff like that. He'll use memes. He'll send me like when we text back and forth, he uses the like bit emojis of himself oh like, nice in his hawaiian shirt and it's like dude, oh that's amazing awesome. yeah well, didn't the team all dress up in hawaiian shirts like sometime around the super bowl or something yeah it was when we went to miami they all wore uh yeah. Tommy Bahama shirts uh, which is like i mean that tells you everything you need to know about the relationship they have with their coach yeah when the players are wanting to do something like that that is such a good sign that the they love their coach who they play for, mm-hmm. which is really one, cool to yeah, see. Yeah, one of my – I mean, one of my favorite stories, and I've told it before, was uh, when we went to 
Ruth's Chris with him. He took me to Ruth's Chris with those all those assistant coaches one time. And he uh, he knew I was like a steak and potatoes guy, you know, from the country, like little mm-hmm. redneck kid like me. So I uh, we get to the restaurant, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, and I order salmon. And he was sitting right by me, and he was like, you just ordered the salmon? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I ordered salmon. And he was like, why'd you order salmon? And I was like, well, I like salmon. It's probably good. And he's like, you ordered salmon. And I was like, yeah. And then I finally was like, well, it's I can't cut steak with my fork very well. Like, I don't want to, you know, like embarrass myself in front of these guys. And he was like, oh, oh, like, like <laughs> mad at me for ordering salmon. And then they, uh, uh, he had, he ordered a steak and brought it out. And then he ended up like cutting up half his steak and then he just put it on my plate. He's like, you're not eating salmon at Ruth Chris, you know? Oh, so it's just man. like. That's like how he is, though. You know, he just cares about people and he notices what they need. And it's that's just amazing. Awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. You know, and it's just like that's who he is. You know, he's he's yeah. that person and he hasn't changed. You know, I've, I've changed positions and like we're, we're still the same. You know, like he gives me like a little, little wink and a smile when I walk by him and he takes care of, you know, everyone. So. I love hearing that, man. Yeah, but and he has he, he, I didn't want the salmon, that's for sure. <laughs> has he made any references to punt, pass, kick? That famous like video <laughs> of him towering over all of his like fellow twelve-year-olds or however old they are. <laughs> and he's literally twice their size. Yeah, it's insane. Well, he always he always was like, man, that he's like that video is a setup. I was like the last guy in my age group, and that was the kid in the younger age group behind me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I love that he takes issue with it. Yeah, yeah but he, he gets it. He's like, I was big. I was a big guy. But he's like, that kid behind me was like seven. <laughs> so. Yeah, but that doesn't account for the fact that he looks like he's 18 in that yeah. picture or that well, video. I think, so I think in the story, too, is they had to go get an actual Rams player's jersey. To Did fit they really? The kid's jersey. <laughs> <I think so. laughs> That's so, amazing. Yeah. So he, is, he was a big kid, but he he does reference that. And he laughs about it, but at the same time, he's like, that's a setup. They set that up every time. <laughs> that's so funny. Well, he's a hell of a football player. So, I mean, he used his size well, obviously. So Yeah, he was great. Um, all right, last thing. I wanted to get this from you just because I do. I mean, I do like talking about church stuff when, when appropriate. Um, I can't. I mean, this has got to be appropriate as well in terms of how it's played a role in your life. But how has faith kind of played a specific role in your life, getting through kind of losing your arm, that whole process and just being where you are today? Yeah, a lot. I mean, every major decision that we make as a family is faith based, you know, like we pray about it and we make sure we feel good about it. And I feel like there's been I mean, there was decisions that didn't they didn't make sense for us um, logically, um, but we prayed about them and they made sense uh, spiritually. And, you know, I think God kind of leads you down. God takes care of you if you listen, you know, and you try to do what's best. And I think, too, just the faith to overcome things daily, you know, just to know that he's going to help you and support you is big for me, especially, you know, because they don't end. It's just like what I said before. You don't like people don't stop making comments or kids don't stop saying things. Right. To me. Um, and it's something that I have to deal with every day. So to to have the strength to overcome that, I rely a lot on Christ and his example and, you know, my faith and my family. And 
wherever we go, we have the church there. So we have like a built-in community and Carly has help um, during the season when I'm away from everything. And just being able to coach with Coach Reed too and having the same faith as him, being able to do, you know, like our own little Sunday services um, when we can't go to church has been big um, for me. And to see his faith and his testimony of the gospel and um, just being able to keep that strong when we're surrounded by maybe an environment that's not really conducive to it. But I think a lot of people, especially a lot of the players, maybe they don't understand how big a role that plays in the, uh, the spirit and the camaraderie that is created within the team. You know, like Coach Reed um, understands the gospel and he uses like that light to create like a positive environment for the players. And I, I appreciate that. And I see it because I understand it. And, you know, like Dan Swanson sees it and understands it. But, yeah, it plays – faith plays a huge role for me. And we try, you know, every day to, you know, do what we can to, to continue to be strong in our faith. The kids go to church, you know. We have games on Sunday and they go to church because that's where they're supposed to be. And then if the game's a little later after church, then they, they come to the game and I get to see them. But uh, uh, that's cool. what it's where they should be. So grateful for that, it, man. Priorities, priorities. Yeah. yeah. Con- consistency and positivity. If there were <laughs> any two words that could describe you, man, I think that's really cool. And I see that a lot in you, no joke. And it is very emblematic of who you've become and where you're headed. And it's been cool to watch your journey to this point. I remember when we met in college, you and I hit it off right away. And it's just been fun to see you where you're at and let your passions kind of get you to where you are. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's inspiring, man. There's no other way of saying it, but it's absolutely inspiring. And I can only wish you the best as well as Carly and your, and your wonderful family. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's been fun to watch you too. I mean, you're a doctor, right? I got to call you a doctor now. PhD. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Not, not, not totally official yet. The dissertation is still on the brink of being finished, but yeah, it's, uh, it's basically there. Yeah, and yeah, when that thing. happens, I'll make sure you do call me doctor. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. You got it. You got it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And that, just like you're saying, though, I mean, we didn't we take comps 200 together or something? You and me and Preston Darger? Isn't that how we met? I, I don't think – I don't know if it was in the class or not, but – I think Preston – I met you for Preston. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it was – it could have been that. I, I, I remember specifically being in a group setting – where like Preston had invited us to something. And I remember you and I laughing at each other's jokes in yeah. that group setting for sure. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, there was probably a class around that as well. But yeah, yeah so it's, it's great. Yeah. Preston. And it's funny. Cause just like you're saying, you, it's interesting how you meet people just one time and your friends, you know, yeah. that's, you just connect. It's true. Yeah. So thanks for, right, uh, man. thanks for thinking of me and having me on. And I appreciate well, dude, that. It, it, I, I couldn't like once it occurred to me, I was like, I've got to have Porter on like that's like this has got to be like and I, I'm not even kidding when I say this. This has been one of the more entertaining interviews I've ever done. It's just been <laughs> fun to hear you go and just talk about what you've done and everything. It's been amazing. So seriously, thank you for taking the time. Like I know your time is valuable. So really, really, really appreciate it. Yeah. And best of luck to the the season, man. The freaking Chiefs. Let's see it. Let's see it happen again uh, next year. Yeah. Yeah. Let's about uh, it. get there and win it this time. So. Let's do it. All right, man. I'll be <laughs> cheering for y'all. Yep, okay, take you. it easy, man. You have a good one. You too. Sitting yeah. on my table, I'm watching. Because everything's changing my mind. Go. 
to a different time Old love, I remember falling so madly There must have been magic in the valley And a rhythm in the night Cause I could almost see it Did you fade right out of you? If it takes time, I 